Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we're going to be a great show today. We're going to talk about uh, healing with adult uh, survivors of trauma, and we've got a trauma expert on, and we're going to be talking about some really terrific uh, techniques to help people with trauma. You want to introduce our guest, Heidi? Sure, Mom, and I'm, I really like this, this show because there are so many of our viewers who have had traumatic losses. So, you know, I think they'll get a lot out of the show and they'll get tips and tools and figure out various ways to help themselves. And I certainly had a traumatic loss after Scott died because, you know, he was in a, a traumatic car accident. So uh, we are gonna be talking with Dr. Deborah Korn today. We're talking about healing adult survivors of trauma. And Deborah is an internationally renowned expert in EMDR therapy. And she is on the faculties of the EMDR Institute and Dr. Bessel van der Kolk's Trauma Research Foundation. And we had Dr. Bessel van der Kolk on three cable shows if you want to go to Open to Hope and, and view those. He's phenomenal. Um, she also has, has a private practice in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And Dr. Korn is also the co-author of the book, Every Memory Deserves Respect, EMDR, The Proven Trauma Therapy with the Power to Heal. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you on the show. I think we have to start out with saying, what is EMDR mm -hmm. and what right. does it even stand for? Right. Great question to start with. Um, so EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a mouthful. <laughs> it's a, an earful. Let me break it down a little bit. Um, desensitization refers to the reduction of distress, fear, or anxiety. Reprocessing refers to the reevaluation or the restructuring of thoughts and beliefs and the transformation basically of one's sense of self relative to past traumatic experiences. So it's about reprocessing is about moving the past into the past. Now, then there's the eye movement part. Now, Francine Shapiro was the developer of EMDR, and she accidentally discovered that, um, that purposely moving your eyes horizontally back and forth like this, while focusing on a traumatic memory leads to a reduction in the vividness and the emotional intensity of the memory. She developed a whole effective protocol for treating PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and trauma-related problems um, using this, what we call bilateral stimulation, back and forth eye movements. And she published the very first research study on this approach way back in 1989. Um, and she worked at that time with rape survivors and Vietnam combat veterans. One of the important things is that you still remember what the trauma but it doesn't have the emotional intensity, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay. I always like to say to people that EMDR does not take anything away from you mm -hmm. that you need, that you want to hold on to, that's important and cherished. 
it only helps you to decrease distress around it mm -hmm. and, and decrease the intrusive problematic symptoms around it. So basically EMDR is a memory focused psychotherapy and it's a psychotherapy that helps people deal with the impact and legacy of trauma in their lives and the adverse experiences in their lives. And it's based on the idea that psychological problems are related to a failure to adequately process traumatic experiences and memories. And so these unprocessed traumatic memories that are kind of frozen or locked in our nervous system continue to affect how we perceive things, decisions we make, reactions we have, the beliefs we hold about ourselves and others. And present day triggers come along and activate these unprocessed traumatic memories leading to symptoms that cause ongoing distress. So in EMDR therapy, we help clients access, we help them activate their unprocessed traumatic memories with a set of very focused questions. And then um, we work to jumpstart the brain's information processing system, right? Using this bilateral stimulation, we get the brain digesting, processing this material. And with the processing, um, a client's distress eventually decreases and relevant adaptive pieces of information located in other parts of the brain, uh, kind of helpful present day perspectives get integrated. So ideas like it's over, I'm safe now. Um, for childhood trauma survivors, I was only a kid doing the best that I could. It wasn't actually my fault. Uh, I'm in control now. I have choices. The past is in the past. All of that comes in naturally in the course of the processing, helping someone to move to a new place in their life. So we see shifts. We see shifts in thoughts and feelings and behaviors and physical sensations. And healing um, basically involves this spontaneous movement toward more positive thinking and more manageable feelings and a significant reduction in the level of distress that people have in their bodies, the people hold in their bodies. What is a trauma? I mean, uh, my husband died a couple of years ago and I'm feeling sad about his death. I mean, you know, is that trauma? What is trauma? Yeah. Well, in our book, we talk about trauma being a part of life, right? 70% um, of adults have experienced at least one significant trauma in their lives. We define trauma as any experience that feels overwhelming, triggers strong negative emotions like shame or terror and involves a sense of powerlessness or intense vulnerability. Now, what's important to say is that trauma is both objective and subjective. So it's both the event itself and, the, and it's the experience of the event. So no two people are gonna experience a trauma in the same way. What might be labeled as a trauma or experienced as a trauma by one person may not be experienced as a trauma, particularly by another person. But we do know that the greater the number of traumas, the greater the psychological and the physical toll. We know that trauma is cumulative and it's okay. developmentally bound. So when someone is younger, they're a child or they're an adolescent and they experience a trauma, they're much more likely to suffer negative after effects, long lasting after effects, because it's so it's such a taxing event for somebody that's young and doesn't have perspective yet in the world. You know, people that are in the military and serve in combat zones, 
that get PTSD are more at risk and more likely if they've had previous trauma before being deployed into these places. Yeah, I think that's generally true. We find that, you know, if folks have a history of childhood trauma or significant trauma earlier in their lives, they are much more vulnerable to the effects of later on traumatic experiences. And the same thing with traumatic loss. You know, someone may experience a loss, a death in their life. And um, because of earlier losses in their lives, earlier traumas, earlier experiences where they felt powerless or they felt like it was their fault, they have a much harder time moving through the loss in later in life because it activates, it triggers the earlier losses in their lives. I was just going to ask if visualizing it, actually being there. Now, uh, years ago, my son was killed in an automobile accident. He and his cousin were burned to death. I was not there. Right. So, you know, would I be more traumatized likely to if I had seen it? You know, I, I don't know. A, I don't have a precise answer to that. Like, I don't know that that's been researched, but what I would say is I've worked with people who have experienced traumas that they have both witnessed firsthand and they've only heard about secondhand. Mm -hmm. And folks can have kind of mm. equal degree of distress and post-traumatic stress symptoms, even if they were not there at the time, because they develop their own memory, right? In imagination, you are told about what has happened. You visualize what has happened. And then that becomes a memory and that gets frozen or locked in your brain and your nervous system and becomes the memory that gets reactivated again and again and again by triggers later in life. I worked at the fire department in New York City, which is where I live for 10 years after 9-11. And we certainly saw that in yes. people that lost people, as you know, down at the Trade Center, even when people were not down there. Exactly. There were people that were very traumatized. Yes. Yeah. I've worked with, um, I've worked with clients who uh, actually have had post-traumatic stress symptoms related to people in their family that they've never met, like stories they heard in childhood. Like I have a, a woman whose um, parents were in the Holocaust mm -hmm. when they were very, very small and their parents were killed during the Holocaust, were murdered. And so my client never knew her grandparents, right? Has only heard stories about what happened to them during the Holocaust, but she had full-blown post-traumatic stress disorder where she had intrusive memories and nightmares and you know, feared situations based on these, these stories that she had heard about her own grandparents. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. You're kind of leading into that. How do people know if they have post-traumatic stress? PTSD is related to the, expo typically the exposure to a distinct traumatic event or series of events. So we're talking about a car accident, assault, an earthquake, a rape, a traumatic loss. And there are basically three clusters of symptoms related to PTSD. The first is uh, what we call re-experiencing symptoms or intrusive symptoms. So that might be nightmares, flashbacks, intrusive imagery, um, you know, remembering as if you were there, remembering as if it's happening all over again. Um, then there's avoidance symptoms or what we might call constriction symptoms. So that's kind of the shutting down 
the, the narrowing of attention, the numbing that people experience, um, and the behavioral avoidance of anything that might remind you of your loved one, of the traumatic experience. And then the third cluster, what we call the hyperarousal symptoms. So that's um, the experience of kind of hypervigilance, having a jumpy nervous system, uh, sleep difficulties, agitation, having startle reactions. Um, and, and then there's complex PTSD, what we call complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And that's when your exposure to trauma is particularly prolonged or repetitive, it's long lasting. You know, you find yourself in a situation where there's no escape over an extended period. Usually complex trauma involves interpersonal or uh, trauma that's intimate in nature at the hands of family or intimate partners or known caregivers. So here we're talking about um, childhood sexual, physical or emotional abuse, uh, torture, uh, genocide campaigns, sex trafficking, um, prolonged domestic violence, uh, neglect, deprivation, um, oppression and discrimination, separation from caregivers. Um, so in addition to the classic PTSD symptoms, those three clusters of symptoms that I was just describing, trauma survivors also have um, significant difficulties with what we call affect regulation. So they, they're always feeling overwhelmed by emotion or shut down by emotion. They engage in all kinds of behaviors that are about numbing out emotion or cutting off emotion, emotion. so self-injury or dealing with suicidality or problems with anger. Um, people with complex PTSD also really struggle with um, self-esteem issues, self-concept issues. I'm bad, I'm not good enough, it's my fault, I don't deserve. Um, and then finally, folks that have been exposed to this prolonged kind of trauma um, often have difficulty in relationships. They have a hard time sustaining relationships over time. They have a hard time feeling close to people. Um, they have a hard time trusting. So it's a, it's a much broader uh, picture when, when the uh, abuse or the trauma has been prolonged and repeated over time. How do I know if I would benefit from this rapid eye desensitization? I think one thing is probably to get your book and, and read more about it, which I think is really important. I love the name of your book, Every Memory Deserves Respect. Uh, you know, it stands for EMDR. It was yeah. our attempt ah, to help people remember the name of the therapy, EMDR. Uh, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Wonderful. Yeah. And uh, how do, what do I do if I think I might benefit from this? How do I find out somebody who's trained in it? Yeah, well... Um, I would recommend that people check out our website, first of all, which is just the name of the book, everymemorydeservesrespect.com. And on our website, we have links to um, uh, the EMDR International Association, which has a directory of EMDR therapists across the country. And so you can go into, uh, you know, take a look at who is practicing in your area. You can look at profiles of different therapists and then you can reach out directly through that website, but you can get to that website through our website. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's it's interesting, Deborah, because I I refer a lot of my clients to EMDR therapists, mm. and they're people that I've been seeing for many years. And you know, 
I've worked with a lot of first responders after 9-11, which I still do. But what was interesting is I will see people for maybe a couple of years and we just get to a point where we're, you know, they keep reliving the trauma narrative over and over and over as if it's yeah. happening in real time. And once I refer them to an EMDR therapist within six to eight weeks, it's it, six to eight sessions. It's, it's life-changing. It's yeah. absolutely life-changing. Yeah. Yeah, but but let me say there is a you were talking about people that you've seen over time too. This yes. isn't a magic bullet. If you have self esteem problems or you know it, it's not a magic bullet, you may continue with your group or your therapy, and and this can be an adjunct to that. I mean, if yeah. you are in therapy and you are having an, a, a memory that keeps repeating, repeating, you might even suggest to them that why don't I try a few sessions of EMDR? Yeah. You know, I, I always like to say to people that it depends what somebody is coming into EMDR therapy to work on. Sometimes people are coming in and they come in holding that memory or those handful mm -hmm. of memories in their hand, like I'm being haunted by yes. this loss that I experienced a year ago, or I haven't been able to get over this car accident. And they know very clearly. And sometimes it's about something that's occurred recently. And sometimes it's from something that happened 30 years ago, but people come in knowing I'm here, you know, they come in saying, I'm here to work on this thing that happened to me. But other times, probably most often people come into therapy and they say, I'm miserable. You know, I, I, I'm having relationship difficulties. I'm unhappy in my job. I feel depressed. I feel anxious. I, um, you know, I can't find my way. And we begin to engage in a process of exploring current symptoms, current beliefs about self, current emotional experiences. And we start, we start with what's up in the present. We start with the recent triggers or the recent experience they've had of some level of distress. And we begin to float back and we float back via emotions, we float back via sensations in the body, we float back via thoughts, right? I'm bad, it's my fault, I'm powerless. And we float back to perhaps the, the worst time they ever experienced anything like that before, or the first time they ever experienced anything like that before. And we start to identify memories that maybe had never been labeled as traumatic or had never even been thought about very much previously. And we begin to develop a treatment plan around these memories, these experiences that uh, were never properly processed, that are still kind of hanging out, frozen, lurking in the nervous system, causing distress or holding somebody back in a way that they might not even know. They might not have a clue that their depression or their anxiety or their phobias mm -hmm. are linked to something that is frozen or locked in their nervous system. Sure. And so... Um, you know, I have people that come in for three or four or five sessions, and then we send them on their way or send them back to their primary therapist. Mm -hmm. And then I have other folks who come in and it really is a process of exploration and a process of not just working on symptoms, but working on, you know, who am I? What has my life been about? Um, why am I feeling stuck in my life today? And it's, you know, much more um, about self-development and finding your way. Right. So well, range. And I like the idea of these thoughts lurking in the nervous system, yeah. right? you know, because it, it does, they do. Can you give us your mm -hmm. site again? 
Yes, it's um, every memory deserves respect, all one word.com. Every memory deserves respect, emdr.com. And thank you so much for being on today, Deborah. My pleasure. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you, Deborah. And thanks, thanks for everything you're doing. And I just wanted to say, I was going to say earlier, one of the things that I think is so powerful about this is that not only are you working with people to talk about these past traumas and to revisit them, but they are in two places at once. They don't, they are with you in the present yes. as a safe person. Yes. It's guiding them and reminding them that they are in a good, safe space right now as they review those traumas. Absolutely. And I that's think that's very powerful. Key concept that in the model, right? What's yeah. what we call dual attention, one foot in the present and one in the past always. And folks are not alone while they are processing this material, right? I'm right there with them accompanying them, you know, holding their hand sometimes and just reminding them, you know, this is in the past. It's old stuff. It's a memory. Thank everybody for joining us on the show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.